You might wonder what it takes to get a shirt like this and a cool basket like this. And the answer might surprise you. It means you have to have a lot of hard conversations with Jesus. That's how I've gotten them. Because quite honestly, um, I'm a little bit more of a missionary like Jonah than Paul. I have those moments. I've tried to run away from my calling. Uh, I've had some hard times in mission work and wanted to give up. Uh, we served, I served in Burkina Faso for a few years and that ministry ended in a really rough way. I did not want to go back to Ghana. And the deck was stacked against me though because I have a wife who was called into missions and loves missions from the time she was a kid and she's a prayer warrior. So the deck was stacked against me. So the reason I tell you that is I wanna share with you a few things about our ministry and the reason all these things have come about is because we've had hard conversations with Jesus. And he has healed us. He's put us in the middle of his will. And great things are happening uh, in Ghana because of that. It's not because of me. I am really good at messing things up, okay? I am the one that would, that would keep running away. But the Lord is doing neat things. So let me share with you a few things that, that, that are going on in Ghana. Uh, the first one, we have a slide here, a picture of my wife, Anna, and kids. She is by far the better half, probably the better three quarters, maybe 99%. Maybe that's how that works. And she has a really great calling and, uh, to work with kids and with women in Ghana. Uh, she is spearheading this library project and that will also have a computer center. What is really cool about this, um, the kids in this village, Tempe Kukuo, don't know English very well. And all the junior high and senior high testing is done in English, but their parents don't know English. It's almost like everyone is English as a second language type kind of situation. They don't have books like, you know, Sweet Pickles and Clifford or anything easy to read. And so this library is going to change their lives. Uh, the computer center, the way that kids learn computers here they, they draw a screen on there and then they'll draw out a keyboard. Most kids have never even touched a computer, okay? So having this in their area, it's gonna make a huge difference, not just for them, but for adults and young adults as well. Um, and we're excited about it. So uh, we have a slide here of, uh, of a foundation. This is of the school that has just been completed. And now the, the architect is coming out this week and he will look at, they've got it scratched out on the ground, and he is going to give the final okay, and as soon as he does, they'll start digging it, and we will have a foundation like that in the next few days for the library. So thank you all for being a part of it, and I am excited about the stories that are gonna come out of that. And by the way, that's not a Jared and Anna Odell story. That's an Usson's story. And I'm from Southern Missouri. I have a license to kill the English language. It's Usson's, okay? This is your story, Broadway. This is, this is us. This is what God is doing through us in Ghana. So another thing that we do, we do church planting. And uh, God has uh, brought alongside some really special guys in my life. Uh, Musa Imaro, he worked with the Jesus Film Project for quite a few years, and he put together a team. And over the last four years, he's been going with this team and showing the Jesus film and following up, and they have planted 25 churches in villages where there are no churches. And they keep doing that, and God is really moving. I could tell you stories all day about neat things that are happening there. 
Um, so you are a part of that. You're a part of taking Jesus to places where he's not heard and not seen in any other way. Uh, the last thing I'll mention is we also do goats and grain. Oh, I forgot sports. Okay, so the guy in red there, that's Moses. I almost forgot Moses. Moses DeBeezy. Moses is a FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. He is there, uh, one of their staff guys, and we are partnering with him to do sports ministry outreach. Every year he does, he holds a tournament at the second most powerful uh, chief in our area, kind of in honor of him, who also happens to be uh, a believer. And they have five to 600 kids that come out every year for that. And we get a chance to work with coaches. We are actively working on ways to train coaches and teach them not just, and, by, and where we live, it's 95% Muslim. And so most of the, uh, the believers or the coaches are Muslim. So we get a chance to train coaches, but also show them how share faith and that if we treat people like Jesus wants us to, it makes better athletes, it makes better uh, teams, it does better all the way around. They can improve their coaching. And we're working on that element as well. And there's neat things happening there. And this is us. Okay, all of us. It's not just Moses. It's not us. This is us. This is the ministry that God is doing. I just want to say thank you for being a part of it. I haven't mentioned these in the other services, but since he's not here, I'll also just say thank you for being a great ministry to and for Ian and his family. Okay, he's a special guy in my life. I appreciate the way that you guys take care of him. So thank you for that uh, as well. Uh, because that's, that's important to me, to be able to see a guy that I've known for 20 years. Thank you for, for being a part of that ministry too. Now, for hard conversations, baskets and shirts, okay? All those things that we just talked about, I really did not want to be a part of. I was happy with my own life. I was preaching at a little church, kind of healed up, and I was content and didn't want Jesus messing in my life, Okay? I was, I was happy with that. But the Lord was working, and, and I, I had to do what I was telling everybody else to do. Sometimes you have to take your own medicine, right? And I had to trust that Jesus would show up in my life if I would just talk to him about it and be honest and real with him. And that's how we really wound up in Ghana. The same thing can happen for you. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt there's a hard conversation you need to have with Jesus. It's something. Maybe it's a sin issue. It may be one of the things we're going to talk about. It may, it's probably not going to Ghana, okay? You're probably safe. Although if, if so, I can let you know that's okay too. You can trust him. Everything that Jesus has gone through in this life, he understands that he did that so that he can identify with you. You can trust Jesus with every hard conversation that you need to have. And that's what I want to talk about today. So if you grab your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 19, there are three conversations I want to highlight here that, that talk about, that will show, I, I hope that you'll see that you can trust Jesus with your hard conversation as well. So this first conversation, Jesus is on the cross and he's dying, okay? And you, you remember the story, there are two thieves, one on each side. And when Jesus is up on the cross, there are people parading by all day. The Pharisees and Sadducees, they come by. Hey, Jesus, come down off the cross. And the Bible tells us that both of 
the thieves were involved in this, in Matthew and in Mark, those accounts say that both of the thieves were also mocking Jesus. But we find that one of them has a change of heart here in Luke chapter 23, uh, verse, uh, verses 39 and following. And I chose him to 22. 23 works better. Here we go. Mm, doo, 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 doo. I'm here somewhere. Sorry. I'm just going to read it off the screen. That'll be easier. So one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, Don't you fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we're receiving due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. So he turned to Jesus and said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. So Jesus is hanging there. These two thieves, we, we get the picture one on each side. I don't know how they were all lined up. But both of them had been mocking Jesus all day long. One of them finally understands there's something different about Jesus. He says, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus is, doesn't belong here. We're the ones who belong here. I belong here. Jesus, would you? Uh, think about this. He was just mocking him, saying the same things. Jesus, would you have me in your kingdom? And Jesus says, yes, today, today you will come. Have you ever mocked Jesus? You ever had words that you've said about Jesus that weren't nice? Have you ever acted in a way that mocked Jesus? You ever been like me and you walk right up to the edge of sin and you go, okay, if I do this thing, it's, gonna be, it, it's just the wrong thing to do and you step over anyway and you mock Jesus with your actions? We've all done that, right? We've all mocked Jesus with our words and with our actions in some way, shape, or form. And so sometimes it's hard for me to go back and talk to Jesus after that. It's hard for me to go back and say, okay, Lord, can we just make everything right now? Have you ever been in that moment? Ever had that hard time, that hard conversation? How do you even start it sometimes? It's really difficult. Here's the deal. I want you to trust Jesus with that conversation because here's a guy who is just mocking Jesus to his face as he's dying the whole day long and finally he says, wait a minute, I've got this wrong. Jesus, I, I, I messed up. I've got this wrong. Can I come into your kingdom? And Jesus says, absolutely. He has said it for the thief on the cross. He has said it for others Throughout eternity, he will say it for you. If you have mocked Jesus, you can have that hard conversation with him. You can trust him that he will forgive and he will move forward. So let's look at John chapter 19. It's not the only way hard conversation that Jesus had at the cross. There are several. We're just looking at, at three of them here today. But John chapter 19, there's, there's an interesting one. So in Mark chapter 3, that's about halfway through Jesus' ministry, Jesus is teaching one day in, in a house. And he's there teaching with his disciples. And it's the, the, in Mark 3, he says that Jesus' brothers and mother came to take him away because they thought he was nuts. I mean, basically. He was crazy. Jesus was, 
was kind of a loose cannon. And they came to walk him away. He said, well, wait a minute. Who are really my brothers and sisters? It's those who are here with me, those who really believe and do the will of God. Those are my mother and brothers and sisters. And so here in, in John chapter 19, we're finding that Mary, I mean that Mary, the Mary that an angel came down and knew who Jesus was before Jesus knew who he was, right? Before, before he was born. Mary who had seen all these miracles. Mary who had been there at the first uh, at the first miracle, when she told the people at the wedding, just do whatever he says, and you got the water and wine and all that, that Mary was on the wrong side of this family argument. Now, I don't know if she was drug along. I don't know if she went willingly. I don't know. I just know this. She was on the wrong side of the fence when it came to that argument. And so she comes to the cross. We find her here in John 19, uh, verse 25 says, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And they said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. Jesus didn't dodge the awkwardness of this situation. But he acknowledged that there was, a, there was a, something that needed to be set right here. Jesus had to make it right so that his mother got on the right side of the faith fence, the right side of the relationship fence. Now, I don't know about you, but we have had some problems in our family at times. And I have been the problem at times, okay? Anyone else been the problem in your family? Problem? Don't point to someone else, okay? Can't say it's her, no, it's not him. Okay, I've done that. We've all done that, right? We've all been the problem. And, and it gets awkward, doesn't it? It can be within the nuclear family, between a husband and wife. It can be, you know, it can be things between siblings. It can be, like, this stuff gets really hard, doesn't it? And of all the people who shouldn't have known better, shouldn't Mary have known better? Like, God talked to her. And she's on the wrong side of the fence, but Jesus makes it right because he says, who's really my mother and brothers are the ones who walk in faith. It was John. He gives him to his beloved disciple. He had the hard conversation. If you have a hard thing going on in your family, Jesus gets it and you can trust him with that conversation that needs to happen. So here's the last one is in John chapter 20. It's about Thomas. As you can tell, I identify with Thomas too. He has a lot of things in common with Jonah, right? That, uh, and you remember this story. Jesus is raised from the dead and he has shown up to the disciples and they all say, hey, Thomas, you missed out. You weren't here, but Jesus came and he saw us. That's what this story is in John chapter 20. And they say, you, you missed it. And Thomas says, well, I'm not gonna believe a thing about that unless I can stick my finger in the hole in his side or in, in the holes in his hand and put my hand where his side has been pierced. And so Jesus shows up. Maybe you remember the story about a week later. He walks through the wall or door or something and shows up and Thomas is there. And Thomas, Jesus says, hey, Thomas, here I am. Why don't you put your finger here? Stick your hand here. Go ahead. And Thomas doesn't even do it. 
He just falls down on his knees and says, my Lord and my God. Look, here's the deal. I bet you've been like Thomas too and you've been a questioner and you just haven't trusted what you already really knew to be true about Jesus. See, here's how I know this because I've done this too. Thomas thought he needed to stick his fingers in those holes and stick his hand in the side. He didn't, did he? He never did it. The Bible says as soon as he saw Jesus, as soon as he, as he acknowledged the reality of who Jesus was, he fell to his knees and said, my Lord, and my God. Have you ever questioned Jesus and said, Jesus, I'll believe you if you... Anybody ever done that besides me? Probably that same guy who's the problem in the family, right? He does that all the time. Look, we've all questioned this thing about Christ. We've questioned his ways. We've questioned how he looks at things. And most of the time, nine times out of ten, it's, it's really an excuse. We just don't want to believe what we really know to be true about Jesus. We're like Thomas. He didn't really need to stick his fingers in there. What he really needed to do was to give up his own pride and say, Jesus, you're really alive and you're well and I'll trust you. You are my Lord and my God. You know, having these conversations with the Lord, they don't always make sense to people. Me going to Ghana with, I, I have six kids. They're all like, you're crazy. Why would you take six kids there? Where, you're, what are you going to do to these children? Eh, they're still okay. They're doing great. Three of them are back here getting started in life. We still have three there. It's good. It's what the Lord had us to do. This, these baskets, are, we, had a, we had a table full. Uh, they're gone. But these baskets were made by our friend Adapoka. Adapoka is, she is a, uh, she's a really faithful believer. She can make this basket in one day. Like, she's amazing. This is a grass basket. And she has five kids. And uh, when we came here uh, on furlough about a year and a half ago, we brought a bunch of baskets with us. And we sold all of them. And the profits from these baskets, she was able to build a house. And so for her, her five kids, and the whole thing, the reason I'm telling you a story is, the Lord has a special ministry for her that she brings in five orphans from her, fam, from her village, and they live with her also. This house isn't just for her and her family. She's bringing in orphans. She had these hard conversations. Her pastor's like, look, you already got five kids. Why do you need five more, right? What's the logic in that? No, that's what God has me to do. It's my ministry. And the Lord has blessed her, and we've been able to help her with the house. We've got a couple of baskets left. Um, those baskets, when we sell a basket of this size, uh, the profit from it will buy her a bag of corn that she can use to feed the kids for the year. Um, so she'll just put those down, add them up, and be able to feed kids. That's why we do this. But it comes because she's had hard conversations with Jesus. She didn't have much, but she can have a hard conversation with Jesus and do what he's asking her to do. And I know, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, you have a conversation you need to have with Jesus. And maybe it's not bringing in five orphans and maybe it's not going to Ghana, but how do you have a hard conversation? I just want to give you four quick, quick things that you can do today to start do it, going down this path. The first thing is, is whenever you pray, actually say the hard thing to Jesus. If you're like me, the Lord is moving you and you get moved into a place of prayer and you pray about everything except that thing. You ever been there? 
You ever done that? You know, you're, you're praying, you've got a list, and you think of everything else on the list that you can pray for. Pray every other scripture you can think about except for that thing. Look, you need to have that conversation with Jesus. Talk to him about it. The second thing is say hard things to people. You know, whenever there's a hard conversation in my life, I kn everybody knows about 90% of what's going to be said. It's not a secret. It's really not, whether, whether we're having it in our family or at work or wherever else. But here's the deal. Aren't we afraid to say the really real last 10%? Jesus didn't dodge the problem with the thief as he was mocking him. He didn't diminish it. He didn't diminish the problem that his mother had in the severed relationship. He made it right because he said what was really true. And we need to be willing to have that hard conversation with people around us. The third thing that you can do is that you can live like what Jesus is saying about this thing is really true. Okay, so, so Mary, instead of, if, if Jesus, when Jesus says, okay, here, here's your son, if she goes back and lives a different way, she's not living what, like what Jesus said was really true. And the Bible says, John took care of Mary for the rest of her life because she allowed it. We need to start acting like what he says is more important than what we think. That lets us know that we're having the conversation with Christ. And the last thing that I'll mention, and this is the really hard one, is we have to put all of our eggs in one, well, in one basket, right? In fact, we need to put ourselves in the basket. Look, that thief had no chance of staying out of hell without talking to Jesus. He put everything was on the line and he said, Jesus, can you accept me into your kingdom? He says, sure, you'll be with me today in paradise. Mary has no one else to make the family thing right because she's the one who stepped over, you know, on the wrong side of the fence and it's because of Jesus and his ministry and he makes it right in the family. And Thomas, okay, Thomas is like, no, I'm not really, I don't want to believe. And Jesus shows up and invites him. Hey, come. Come and look. Come and see. Put your fingers here. Here's the deal. If you're like me, the thing that you're avoiding, that hard conversation you need to have with Jesus, it's easier to like just let it sit there or have a plan B. But to really do it right, we have to be all in and risk the heartbreak. That if Jesus said no, our life would just fall apart. When you do that, that's when you're really having a faithful, hard conversation with Jesus. And I wanna let you know from my own life, all those pictures, this shirt, that basket, look, my life in Ghana, Jesus has showed up in my life and has made it great beyond what I could think or imagine. He did it for Mary. He did it for the thief. He did it for Thomas. You can trust him. I want you to trust Jesus with that hard conversation more than anything else. And every week we get a chance to do that in communion. 
because Jesus' trust isn't just about something that we say or guys get up here on stage and share stories or we just read them. Jesus went to the cross, a real cross, and died a real death and spilled real blood and died a real physical death that we remember every week so that you could trust him with those conversations. So while we get ready to take communion, and when you pull out those emblems and you sit there with Jesus, I would... I ask that you would commit to having a hard conversation with Christ. Just start it. Just start it. And the only, way, the only thing you have to do is just say the thing in prayer, right? Just say it. Lord, this is the thing. And here I am. I'm with you. I trust you. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for the way that you are moving across the world. Lord, I'm thankful for my family here at Broadway Christian Church and for the way that you are working in ministry here and, Lord, what you allow us to do together in Ghana. Father, more than that, I'm so thankful that we can trust Jesus. Jesus, you have made yourself so known to us. You put on flesh and you've gone through all these things. You've had the heartbrokenness in family. You've, you've forgiven somebody who doesn't deserve it. You've uh, worked with the doubters and the questioners like we have in our own life. You, you get it. And Lord, sometimes at the end of it, we just don't trust you enough to understand us and our situation. Lord, we know that you died for that. Sometimes we just forget. So Lord, I pray today that my family here, that each one of us can come to the cross and during this moment, we'll just start having hard conversations with you. And Lord, I pray for what you're going to do in everybody's life, how you're going to bring healing and how you're going to make things right because that's what you do. Jesus, thank you for being so trustworthy. Help us to bring you honor and glory by doing the hard things that are right and letting you put us in the middle of God's will. We love you, Lord Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.